Well, good morning. My own. Good morning. Hello. Test, test. Can you hear me? There we go. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I do invite you to turn to uh, John's Gospel. We'll be back uh, there uh, this morning um, and uh, for the next couple weeks. Can I tell you where we'll be? Uh, this morning, we'll, I'll get to verse 13, hopefully. Uh, and then next week, I'll go from four, I'll do 14 uh, and 15. And then uh, the 31st, New Year's Eve there, we, we'll we still have church on that day too. Uh, we'll finish up this section of John 1. In the beginning of the year, we'll take a couple weeks to do some uh, core value stuff. And then uh, the third, I think the third week of January, we'll pick back up an axe. And so, anyway, that's kind of our... I'm pull, you see me? I'm coming Luke up here. Uh, anyway, John chapter 1. Remember, next Sunday we are having service at normal time. Uh, we, we will have some donuts and things like that. So if you want to come a little early uh, and just fellowship a little bit before. Uh, and then we'll have uh, a few songs and uh, we'll look to John 1. And then after that, we'll take the Lord's Supper together. And I know uh, many of you may have family traditions that you meet on Christmas Eve morning and no judgment if you don't, aren't here next Sunday, uh, but if you can't make it, please, please join with us. Uh, so this season or this series, we're not really calling it a series, but this time or when we're looking towards or we're looking at Christmas, uh, the theme we've kind of, you've seen it in the songs and even in the graphic is, is behold. And, you know, the reality is, is, is for many of us in Christmas season, uh, we're oftentimes busy. And we're making sure we got all the, like Ash, it was up till midnight last night making Christmas candy. And, you know, we're, that's what we do this time of the year. We're fast paced. We're moving. Uh, and oftentimes we, uh, maybe on Christmas Eve, that's whenever our minds actually go to Christ. And, and our, when, when all the presents are done, when all the plans are made, at that point, we actually begin to actually focus. So one thing that we wanted to make sure is that, man, that through this season that we are beholding Christ, that we, we see uh, God, uh, we see Christ, we see the, the love of our Savior. The, the word behold literally means to be sure to see, to make sure that we see uh, what Christmas is all about, if you will. And I think that's even the intent of the Gospel of John, is that John wrote an account that we would make sure, that we would be sure to see Christ as Lord, that we would be sure to see that He's the Savior of the world. And so when we go to the text uh, this morning, we'll be back in, in John 1 again. Now, we, we, our, our hope is that we behold Christ, that we see Christ, that we look to Christ, we see the beauty of the Christmas story. Let's begin John 1, verse 1. I'll, 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 I'll start back reading verse 1, and I'll read to verse 13. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
who were born not of blood, nor of the will, or of the, or of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. As this is God's word, let's go to him in prayer. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you that we have your word. God, we thank you that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God, that you moved among, uh, upon men and they wrote. And God, that through your sovereignty, you have preserved this word. And now today, uh, we meet to study it. So God, I pray that you give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to believe. It's in Christ's time we pray. Everybody said? Amen. So John 1, uh, 1 through 18 is, known, is what is known as John's prologue. And uh, what uh, it in itself is probably, I would say, probably the most Christocentric text in all of, of Scripture. Uh, from him, what we looked at last week, him being the Word, as in uh, his existence, self-existence for all of eternity as God, with God. Uh, he's the Logos is what we look, but this is what is known as the prologue. And what the prologue is, and this is just for like Bible study help tips, tips. And so hopefully, and one of the things that we hope to inspire is as we go through the Word like we do, that it inspire us as individuals to go and read the Word. Right? And so one thing that I would hope is as we go through John 1, maybe uh, the Lord would lead you to study the book of John, uh, to go to it and say, I want to know more about it. And what, it's what's really cool about this, the prologue is kind of like this. It's kind of like a, a grand foyer that you're walking into this architectural masterpiece. That's the gospel of John. The prologue is like the, the foyer into that. And inside this prologue, he begins to give us all these themes that he's going to talk about throughout the whole book. So even in this prologue, we see words like life and light and witness and truth and world and glory. And so what you see is that literally, you even see it in John the Baptist, right? You see, it seems random that he, he spends a couple of verses talking about the word, uh, who, he, who he's always been, and how light doesn't overcome darkness, or darkness doesn't overcome light. And all of a sudden he goes, to, and there was a man named John. It's like, it just seems random. The whole text is about Christ, but there's these two verses, but there's a dude named John. Why is it there? Well, when you get done with the prologue, if you have your Bible, what's the next thing he talks about at the prologue? testimony of John the Baptist. And so what you see in the prologue is literally like an outline of the whole book or the gospel of John. And I want to remind you, maybe you don't know this, maybe you've never studied the book of John, uh, but John, I love when writers give us their purpose. Anybody, anybody like that? Like, I love that when Luke sat down uh, to write Luke and Acts, he gave us the reason why he wrote it. Well, thankfully, John does the same thing. And so I think we have to look at his purpose, and that gives us the intent on how to read the word, right? So here is his purpose. We see it in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. It says this, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, as in the gospel of John, but these are written so that, here's the reason, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So the reason why John sits down to write this is very, it's very evangelistic. So that whenever we would read upon this, whenever we would behold this, this Christ, that we would believe that he is the son of God and that we would have life in his name. So I know we're here at Christmas and we're, we want to think about the warm, you know, the, the fuzzy feelings. But I want to, you know, beseech you, if you don't know Jesus, my prayer is that we walk through this, that you would believe in the name of Jesus, that you would trust in his great name. Maybe you notice that in verse 1 how it says, in the beginning was the word. It sounds a lot like how this book called the Bible starts, right? 
in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's how the book starts. Now, John starts as in the beginning. And I don't think it's by coincidence, a flippancy of words, if you will. There, there's a chance that some, where John is at in his life, that maybe for some 50 years he had been sitting on this before he sat down to write. So it wasn't something he just randomly began to write down, but he writes, in the beginning was the word. And what it teaches us is that this, this divine, as Luke talked about last week, how the other gospel is kind of like the earthly narrative of what happened on Christmas. This is the eternal heavenly narrative. And what those words tell us, that in the beginning, yes, God created the heavens and the earth, but in the beginning, God already had a plan to save the, 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 the earth that he created. That this, this Christmas story wasn't like plan B, that it was always the plan. Like the, the idea that God would take on flesh and, and come and, and live a sinless life as a representation for the man he created to die on a cross, to be buried and be raised again. It wasn't something like Adam and Eve sinned. And then God said, all right, what are we going to do? No, in the beginning, God created his heaven and earth. But in the beginning, the word was God and was with God and had planned to take on flesh you could say it like this, that Genesis tells us the story of creation. John gives us the Genesis of new creation. Well, how did the text end? It said that, that those who would believe would become children, the children of God. Last week, we studied the Word, how the Word was with God and the Word was God, that He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through Him. And Luke did an incredible job walking through that this morning. Uh, next week, he'll go back to the Logos, but in this kind of intermediate text, he, he, gives, he doesn't call Jesus the Word, he calls Him the, the Light. And so this morning, we're looking at a title of the sermon, The Light of the World. And six times, if you go back to verse uh, uh, four, and you and go to verse 13, six times we see that word light, rather the light shines in the darkness, so the darkness doesn't overcome it. There's men who can't bear witness about the light. He was not the light, but to bear witness about the light, the true light was coming to the world. Six times we see the word light. And so for a moment, let's think about light, right? Before we get to the text, remember Logos, it was the full disclosure of, of the character of God. It was the, the reason, the purpose of all things, right? So think about light for a moment. Oftentimes we think about light in these terms, on and off, right? We flip a switch, it's dark, we flip a switch, it gets light. It's a very static thing, but if you think about light, light is anything but static, it is, it is a radiant moving energy. It, uh, the, the speed of it, it moves 186,000 miles a second. The way that light works when it goes into, it hits our eyes and goes through our retina, our photoreceptor sends signals to our brain, and our brain then turns around and makes those signals an image. The, 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 what light is, it's a force that illuminates our eyes to see. Whenever light comes in, things become visible. Right? When we go outside, we can see the trees. Why? Because there's light outside. If we were to turn all the, all the lights off in here, then you, we wouldn't see anything. But when we turn the lights back on, we could see everything. What changed? Light came in. We all were still sitting in the same place. Things become visible when light. And so here's the picture of John 1. Here's that Jesus, the true light, gives light to all men. That is the true light, we fully see who God is. That when Christ came, he, he, now that when we see him, we'll, as we get, go through John 1, we'll see that 
all who have seen him have seen God, have seen the Father. He, he, he makes fully known who God is. But check this out. We see this in this prologue, but also who we are. In the text, we see the true light comes into the world. He came and the light shines upon all men. Then we see a distinction happen. Those who didn't receive him and those who did. So when the light shines not only in Christ, not only do we see the character of God, but we also see the character and the condition of man. That's what we'll see through this text this morning. Tim Keller said it like this. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we even dared to believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared to hope. That we see this beautiful story of the true light coming into the world. But we see the condition of man, that man did not accept him. Man did not welcome him. Man did not recognize him. But for anyone who would receive, they had the right to become children of God. We are more sinful than we even dared to think of. But we are more loved and accepted in Christ than we could ever have dreamed of. So with that in mind, let's go to the text. The first point is that the true light overcomes darkness. We see that in verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That is the story of the gospel. Like, if you were to, if you were to sit down and you never heard about Jesus at all, that's what I love about going to the text. Like, like, let's go to the text like we've never read it before. If you receive this gospel account and you see the, the light is coming in the world, darkness tries to overcome it, but it can't, then you read through the gospel of John, you see, man, darkness tried to overthrow the light. Darkness tried to kill the light. Darkness tried to silence the light being Jesus, but they could not overcome him. Light still won. That's the beauty of the text. And there's not a lot of things to draw here, but this I just wanted to write it like this, that darkness has never and will never overcome the light of Christ. No matter how dark the world is, in the schemes and the attempts of, of darkness, it will never, has never, can never overcome the light of Christ. We see it in the Gospel of John. No matter how, how hard they try, there's still an empty grave. And there's still a throne that is occupied. The second thing we see in this text is the, the messenger of the light. Which seems kind of random, right? So you have this, let's just read it again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Light, this, that light shines in the darkness. The darkness hasn't overcome. It's like, man, we're talking about the holy, uncreated one. And then all of a sudden he goes, and then there was a man sent from God. His name was John. Seems random. All right? It just seems like, Luke, what are you doing here? Like I said, I think, or John, what are you doing? I think he's obviously setting up the, the rest of his gospel uh, account. But second thing we see is that this light had a messenger. His name was John. We know him as John the Baptizer, John the Baptist. He's the one that came. The one that Jesus said was there's been no greater man to ever live up to that point than John the Baptist because of the responsibility that he was going to have to be the forerunner for the Messiah, to make way of Lord. But what we see about John is, first of all, that he was a man, what, sent from God. And this is important here uh, because here we're looking at like really the pre-incarnate work of God is saying in the idea that not only was there a plan for God to take on flesh, but the one who was going to announce his arrival, God sent him too. 
Like it was, it was not just, just random uh, happens, uh, happenings. It was that, that God sent this man named John. He was sent from God. How do we know that? Well, uh, God through Isaiah prophesied in Isaiah 43 that there's a voice that cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight uh, in the desert the highway for the Lord. So we see that, that God not only prophesied or spoke to prophets to, to give plan or give order that one day a Messiah would come, but there'd be one who came to point it to the Messiah. So we know he was sent from God because we read about it in the Old Testament. We know that he was sent from God because of his miraculous birth. He came from an elderly couple who had been barren their whole marriage, but then they were able to conceive. And John the Baptist was born that way. There was a miraculous birth. He was sent from God. And then the scripture says, yours may read, as a witness. He came as a witness. So there was a man that God sent before Christ to be the forerunner. And it says he came uh, as a witness or, or for a witness would be a better way to translate that. Like the, 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 the reason why John came is not that we could look at John the Baptist, because man, he was a great dude. He came for a witness. He came for the reason to give witness or give evidence to the Messiah, to point to, to the Christ, if you will. His reason of existence is to give witness or evidence about the light. He had breath in his lungs in order to shout that this is the Lamb of God. So there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness. Why? To bear witness about the light. Why? That all might believe through him. This is an important text. This is very elementary, if you will. And it's like Justin, we're talking about Christmas, but... It gives us a great example of our own Christian life. We're here to give evidence, to give testimony about the light. Like that's, our, that's our purpose. That's our calling to give evidence. Obviously, we're not John the Baptist, but we're still called to testify, to give witness about the light. And I think it's awesome that we have the whole Bible that John doesn't end with the prologue because we can actually see, we can actually read what John's witness was, how he gave witness about the one to come. So if you don't mind, I want to read some lengthy passage of scripture. Everybody good with that? Get your Bible. We're going to be in John, so that's good. And I'll come up on the screen. So if you didn't bring your Bible to church, bring it next week uh, and so that we can read it together. Uh, but so check this out. So here's, here's the witness that John the Baptist gave. Look at verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. Well, how do we know about John? Because we read about him in verse 6, right? So here's his testimony. Here's his witness. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice and the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, and they asked them, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but, uh, but among you stands one uh, you do not know. And even he who comes after me, the strap of his sandal, I'm not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. And the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
This is he. Look how he talks about it. This is he whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. Even John knew the eternality of Christ, that Christ was the Messiah. But it gets a little funny as, as we go. He says, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and remain there. I myself did not know him, for he who sent me to baptize him with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend will remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. And remember, it's not about John. So John was very popular and he had a big, a big group of disciples. So check out what happens next. The next day, again, John was standing with his two disciples, and he looked. And so his two disciples were standing there, and Jesus was coming. He says, look, behold the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said, what are you seeking? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? And he said to them, come, and you will see. Here's the, and this ends up being Andrew uh, and Peter. And then eventually you get Philip and Nathaniel. But here's the picture. His his reason his existence was not so that he could build a crowd it wasn't so that he could build a following that he could point people to christ that even his disciples left him to go follow jesus what john says in the prologue is exemplified and how john the baptist walked and, and ministered if you and it gets even better i'm gonna read another one is that okay if not i'm doing it anyway john chapter 3 verse 22 says this, after this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside and remained there with them and was baptizing. John was also baptizing in, in Aenon near Salem uh, because water was plentiful there and people were coming and being baptized for John had not yet been put in prison. Now a discussion arose between the, some of the John's disciples and the Jew over purification. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he, was, he who was with you across the Jordan, remember, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So we're still thinking in those contexts. He, was, he is baptizing and all are going to him. Everybody's leaving John and they're going to Jesus and check out his response. John answered, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. The one who has a bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, the joy is mine is now complete. That his people who were following him are now going to Jesus. His joy is complete. Why? Not because he was building his crowd, but that people were leaving him to go to Christ. And here's the famous, he must increase and I must decrease. It gets even better. Verse 31, he who comes from above is above all. Does this sound like the prologue, right? This is <laughs> he, he who is from, he, sorry, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in earth way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, and no one receives this testimony. Whoever receives this testimony uh, his, is sealed to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. 
And the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Here it is, ready? Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. There's a man sent from God. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. We see it exemplified through and I would remind you, child of God, you may not be John the Baptist, you may not be the forerunner of the Messiah, but our job is still the same, is to point people to Jesus. It's not to build crowd or popularity, it is to point people to the Messiah, and our joys should be risen within us when people trust in Christ. Third thing, not only did the not only does light overcome darkness and there was a messenger of light, but we see that the light came. The light has come. That's why we celebrate Christmas. The light has come. Look at verse 9. It says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming to the world. He was in the world. Pause for a moment. Here's another cool thing about this being the prologue setting up the whole story. Notice how in, in, in verse 9, uh, we're looking at uh, like a, he, he was coming into the world. Like He hasn't come into the world yet. So this is like pre-incarnation language, right? And then it says, he was in the world and the world was made through him. The world did not know him. What happens between verse 9 and 10 is what we read in the gospel of John, right? He was coming in the world. He did come in the world. They didn't receive him. So anyway, I just thought that that was a cool thing to see. But anyway, we see a true light. He gives in the word true light. John is all about true. The true light, the true life, the true water, the true bread. We see it all throughout the text is in this person who's coming. There's the full disclosure of God. He's the true one. He's the authentic one. He's not a counterfeit. He's not just little pieces of manna come from heaven. He is the bread of heaven. Like he is, it is him. He's not just water from a rock. He is the living water. He is the life. He's not just one that just has life in him, but he's the resurrection and the life. It's the, the trueness that John is looking at when it comes to Christ. So when Christ comes and he, he makes himself known that, that the incomprehensible becomes understandable. That when the light of heaven comes into our sinful, dark eyes and hits our spiritually dark retina, if you will, that when we see him, we begin to understand things that were once incomprehensible. That the true light, the true disclosure, the true character of God, the true revelation of who God is, was coming into the world in the person of this word world here, John has an interesting relationship with that word world. It's the word cosmos, which is throughout his gospel, there's different overtones of how he uses that word. So when it says Christ or the, the light was coming to the world, we need to know what he's talking about. Is he talking about just like the globe itself, the physical earth? Is he talking about just people in general? Is he talking about the systems of the world, like in the way that man and we operate? What, like what word is used? How is he using that? Right. So the different overtones that John uses throughout the Gospel of John in the word cosmos is, is sometimes very rarely. Uh, it's like in a positive sense, like for God so loved the world. Right? That's a positive way in which he, he's viewing, if you will. Sometimes it's neutral, like what we saw in uh, the, the theme or the purpose of his letter. Remember, it says... Uh, now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, uh, uh, which there's not a book in the world that could contain it. There's that picture, just a very neutral sense, if you will. But most of the time, it's in a negative sense. Let me use the word world in cosmos. It's in a negative overtone. Uh, 
you, you, it lies in, in this text. He came to the world, but the world did not receive him. So in John, most of the time, majority of the time, when he's talking about the world and uses the word cosmos, he's in thinking about the created order of, human, of humanity in, that's in rebe- rebellion against its maker. So when we look at the word world there, that the light, true light came into the world, don't just think he came on earth. Like peace on earth, goodwill towards all men. Like don't think about it. He came into a system that denies and rebels against its maker. Is a thought that John has. I think is if you read, I'll give you a list of them. John 1, 10, John 7, 7, 14, 15, 16, 17. This all in this negative sense in this cosmos that they were, it's the order of humanity that has rebelled against its maker. So here's, here's the beauty of Christmas. You ready? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. It is not an endorsement of the world, but a testimony to the character of God. Like that's why it's important for us to understand that cosmos because it's a, when he uses it, 98% of the time it's a, a system of people who has denied him, rejected him, that, that traded him for things that are created by man that have no purpose and have no, it's not hope givers, if you will. It's disobedient. So the fact that the true light comes into the world, as I said, it's not, a, not an endorsement to the system of the world, but a testimony to the character of God. Are you ready? God's love for the world is remarkable, not because of how big the world is, and there's so many people to love, but how bad the world is. I, we don't think about God's love being remarkable just because, man, how can he love that, billion, that, that many people? It's not the, how many they are. If there was one, his, his love would be remarkable enough. If it was just Adam and Eve and he came to redeem them, his love would be remarkable enough. So when we get to that point, true light, the full disclosure of who God is, the one who's going to come to open our eyes to see God, but also ourselves, he came to a world, as we see, that they didn't welcome him, they didn't even notice him. Matter of fact, if you continue, this is just... How John, I think, when he thinks about when John was thinking of the world and its systems, there's, there's no believers in it. So I think because if you read John chapter 15, verse 9, it says, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world. So believers are called out of the world. So I think in John's context, the world remains all evil, all, all godlessness, all rebellion. And thankfully be to God, he plucks us out of the world. He changes our minds because we were once rebellious as well. But by the grace of God, we who were once far off and brought near, we've been what called out of the domain of darkness and transferred into the light of Christ. So the light has come. Not only has the light come to a world that has obviously forsaken him, but good news and bad news to this is that the light shines on all men. So we see in the text, right? It says the true light, which gives light to the Jews. To who? To everyone. So what's this light doing? All right, let's go back to that. What is this light doing? It's revealing. It is full disclosure of who God is. It is making known things that are, that are dark and they can't be seen. So when Christ comes, that light, now this could be just general revelation, 
Like Romans 1, all men are held accountable just because of creation. But I think specifically, I think it's in the incarnation here. I think it's when, when true light actually came in, the true light of Christ actually came in the world, and he has shown the light on all men. Jew, Greek, Gentile, black, white, Asian, poor, rich, the light shines on all men. And what we see from this text, I'm going to kind of land the plane here is that when the light shines on mankind, it makes two distinctions. Those who forsake and reject, and ultimately those who receive and believe. As I look to the text, it says this, that he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. So that's, that world there is like the totality of humanity. It's, it's, he came to man there. He kind of switches there. This all people. Then it says this, he came to his own. So not only did he, so that's Gentile, if you will, but he also came to the Jews, right? The people who have been waiting for him, the one who could have just heard John the Baptist. If they would have just known Isaiah, that there was going to be someone who came and John the Baptist says, I'm that guy. And the one I'm pointing to is them. Like if there's any people that should have got it, it should have been them. But it says they didn't receive him. Matter of fact, John Phillips, this is a, he's an old school, I think he's a British guy that, uh, incredible commentaries, and if you ever, like, anyway, like his alliterate, you think I alliterate things at times? Like this dude right here is like, point, sub, point, sub, sub, point, sub, 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 point, sub, sub, and they're all, anyway, this is what he says about this, how his people didn't receive him. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, the world and the world knew him not. He walked a hedgerow and plucked a blade of grass. He created it. He knew about its structure, about its photosynthesis, about the mystery of a plant's pollination and germination, and all its complex chemistry. He walked beside the Sea of Galilee. This also, he knew the topography of the lake, every deep and shallow place, every pebble on the bottom, each and every fish darting through its waves. The world was made by him, he knew all about the t astronomy and chemistry, physics and biology, mathematics and medicine. He knew every law now known to science and every law not known to science, not because he had studied them, but because he was the author of them all. He looked at the world through the eyes of a man, but somehow, in the mystery of his being, had an infinite understanding of all things. The Creator trod those Galilean fields and walked Jerusalem streets. Wisdom, love, and power looked out of his eyes and, he, and were felt in the touch of his hands. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. And to John, the gospel writer, this was the greatest tragedy and irony of all, that the very true light came in, and they didn't recognize him or even notice him. They didn't recognize him. They didn't welcome him. They didn't receive him. They heard the voice crying in the wilderness, Behold the Lamb of God, and they chose not. They had options, opportunities to free him once he was arrested, and they chose a murderer named Barabbas instead of him. They had many opportunities but from Pilate not to go through the crucifixion, but they still chose to crucify. Him. 
And it seems like all hope is lost at that moment. But go back to verse 5. Let's read it again. Let's read it out loud. Ready? One, two, three. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light came, and they didn't receive. But check out that word that begins verse 12. But. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, ready? He gave, check this out, the right. He doesn't just call you a child. He gives you the right to become children of God. Which is, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. Yours may say the will of the husband, as in procreation. Like, it doesn't come from a parent. It doesn't come from family, but of God. So here's the distinction, the true light, which, which reveals God's character, his, who he is, in his essence, his totality. He came in his own and people rejected him. But there were some who may believe. There were some who may receive. There were some, I think here you see it as the minority, not the majority. The majority rejected. When something happens, we'll see in the text, that there were some who did receive him and believed in his name. Because they were born from above, and it gives them the right to be children of God. The privilege is the word there. The authority, if you will, to be children of God. Not as in authority, like I'm going to walk around and claim things here. As in, hit by his authority, now we are known as sons and daughters. More than conquerors, victors, if you will. So let's break this down for a moment. This is all who did receive. The word receive there is to take hold of. For all who did take hold of this Messiah, this, this one who came, this light who came to show the way, the truth, and the life. The one who came to show that he's actually the bread of life, the living water. The one who gave, that John gave testimony. The one who came as the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin in the world, who, who, who died on a cross, was buried and raised again. If you take hold of him and his work, and believe in his name. This is, this is awesome here. This word believe is obvious. We know what the word believe, but in his name. His name isn't just like we believe in Jesus. The name there is kind of like in the Old Testament when God would act. He would give a name to what gave a part of his character. So what we see here, believe in Jesus' name is that we believe in the totality of who Jesus is. We don't take bits and pieces of Jesus that we like, but we believe in his name. Who he's been revealed to be. Specifically in John's gospel, if we're reading like that, but we, everything that John has written about Jesus and Jesus has claimed about himself, I would take a hold of that, I receive it, and I believe in that. Here it is. Gave the right to become children of God. So here's the question. Wait, let's back up like super elementary. I thought we were all children of God. We all come from Adam and Eve. So in one sense... Yeah, I'll give you that. Like, I, had, I didn't grow up in church at all, and there was a girl that I went to elementary school with that always said, yeah, we're brother and sister in, in God. I was like, sounds weird. Uh, but anyway, she was saying, generally speaking, we all come from the same race. And so on one level, we'll give that. But the reality is, biblically, the Bible teaches us that we're not born children of God. We're born enemies of God. 
Because of our sin, because of our rebellion, because of our darkness and liking dark, as we see as we go through John chapter 3 that the light came, but man loved darkness more than light. We naturally love dark. It's because of our sinful condition, right? We're broken, and the Bible says we're we're enmity with God, we're enemies of God. We have no rights, if you will. Right? The, the only thing we have is the wrath of God on our head. But God, the true light came in, revealed the character of God, did the work and carried out the plan of God for salvation. And all who would receive him now have the right to become children of God. Through adoption, right? Through he, he brings it. So we're different as in we're not the son of God. He's the son of God. We're children of God by adoption, right? We are adopted into the family of God. So how do we become children of God? We ask the question, well, John tells us, well, we become children of God. First of all, negatively, we do not come, become children of God because, because of blood. As in we don't become children of God because maybe our race, or where we come from, where we're born, the people group that we're connected to. So how do we become children of God? It's not by blood. And John also says, sorry, it's not by the will of the flesh. It doesn't mean I can't make myself become children of God. Right? Like, I can't do nothing within myself to make myself, I can't appease God by my own flesh. And so then he adds another one. You become children of God, not being born of blood or born of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, as in who your parents are. So if we don't become children of God by working our way there, by being born in a certain place or to a certain family, how do we become children of God? I'm glad you asked. What does he say? Who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. You're born of God. How do I become a child of God? Is that God regenerates me. That he causes me to be born again. That God, some reason, somehow, even though he came to a world that rejected him, still comes in and illuminates our eyes so that we can see Christ. And what happens is, is he causes us to be born again. There's a regeneration. There's a new life that happens. He gives us new birth. This is the genesis of the new creation. We're born of the will of God. We're born of the Spirit. It's the doctrine of regeneration where God brings a person to life. Listen to me. An infant receives no glory for being born, nor does a man receive glory for being born again. It is a sovereign act of God that we see in the text here. And the first act of that birth is that we cry. When all three of my kids were born, they came out, we didn't have to, they came out crying. Why? Because they were born. They weren't born because they were crying. They were crying because they were born. It's the same thing we see in the text here. Is that those who have been born from above, they cry out to the Lord Jesus saying, I trust, I receive in the finished work of Christ. Now we'll say this. The, I think they happen simultaneously. If you were asking what comes first, I think birth comes first, but they happen you don't get born again, and then later on, you actually confess Christ. It's, it's, it's something that happens supernaturally and instantaneously. But what happens is that God moves in, and he calls out to the dark heart, raises them to life. And in that new life, they receive and believe this Christ. That's Christmas. 
Behold it. Behold the good news that brings great joy. The great joy that I'm dead in my sin, but God. And I was listening to him. I want to end with this. Well, here's the point. Don't get bogged down. And here's the point. The world loves darkness, but the light came in so that we can become children of God. But here's how the rubber hits the road. You ready? Man, this is good. Because I know Christmas season, any holiday season, it is married with, it's a marriage of emotions. There's a, a paradox, if you will. There's in one sense that my life is full of joy, but in other sense, it, I, it's been 23 years since my mom passed away. But you know what I still think about on Christmas? Her. Like, it, it doesn't go away. And there are times when we're walking through darkness and what holidays can do, like I just want to minister for a moment, is that we walk through those things and, and the enemy begins to whisper, where's your hope? Where, you know, why are you struggling so much? Do you really know Jesus? And then he'll begin to even offer, like, who do you think you are claiming this? So who, who gives you the right to, cl- be, to cl- have the claim that you're a child of God? Who gives you the right to claim that you're a child of God? And the answer is the true light who came in the world has given me the right to become a child of God. <laughs> like when the enemy's whispering, who gives you the right to walk around like in victory? Who gives you the right to walk around in hope and peace and joy, even in the midst of storms? Who gives you the right to get up tomorrow, even though that yesterday was terrible, and still praise him? The true light who came in the world has given me the right to become a child of God. Anybody hearing me this morning? Is that that's that's hope, that's Christmas. He's given me the right to take on and claim all the privileges of being a child of God. Why? Because he, gave, he made me new. He gave me hope. He gave me peace. And I've taken a hold of all that he has done and all that he is and all that he promises. So who gives you that right? He does. Have you believed in him? Have you trusted in this Christ? I'm going to read John's testimony again in John chapter 3. I'm going to end of it at the end. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Here's the distinction. Who does not obey the Son shall not see life, for the wrath of God remains on him. I pray that through my feeble attempts this morning, that at Cross Point Community Church, the true light has shined through the preaching of the gospel. And I pray that it's going to create the same distinction that it always has. But what I pray is that if this morning, if every morning up to this point you've rejected, listen to me, the, the, the longer you reject Christ, the harder and callous, more callous your heart's going to become. And I pray today that the true gospel, the light of the gospel shines out and you say, I take hold of him. I take hold. I believe in his name. Let the true light that was coming in the world illuminate even your sin, but cause you to be born again and trust in his name. And I'm going to be honest with you because I love you. If you walk out here today and reject that, you're not walking to eternal life. You have the wrath of God still upon your head. But the good news of the gospel, it doesn't have to be because the Son of God, the true light, he is the imagery of a cup. He drank the wrath of God. 
And the father treated this baby that we're looking at in a manger who became a grown man, treated him like he, as if he was every sin that you and I had ever committed and will ever commit so that he could treat me and you like we've never sinned at all. Would you believe in that, Jesus, this morning? And I can confidently say this. If you have a desire this morning to trust in that Christ, he was faithful and just to forgive you. He is doing the work in your life, even at this moment. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that the true light came in. And God, as much as we don't like to be exposed, God, I'm thankful that the light, the light comes and exposed the sinfulness of man. God, that in your love for humanity, you showed them their depravity. So God, I pray that even this morning, if there's somebody in here this morning who maybe has played church for a long time, God, that your light will expose the, the darkness of their sin, the the depth of it. And God, even the, the consequences of it. This, this wrath of God. God, I pray that this morning your spirit will do a work. That there would be people this morning born of God born again and that will cry out and take hold of who you are and what you've done. God, I pray for the believer in here who maybe has just been struggling. Remind them by the authority of Christ they're a child of God. Life may be tough, but by the authority of of the true light, of the Logos, of the Son of God, we have the right to be children of God. So God, I pray now, as we close, God, we respond in a way that, that glorifies you. Spirit, we need you. Make us, humble us, break us, allow us, to be obedient to that and to where you're leading us. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, you can stand. Me and Luke can be standing in the back if you need to talk or pray. Hey, you move as the Lord leads.